The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds a future and life is worth. Send His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. In empty. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Life is worth living just because he lives and because he loves you and me. And he opened the way for us into a life of joy and peace. I praise his name. I had two very interesting responses to yesterday's message about getting real with Jesus. One person's observation was that I made it sound 
like it's very hard to be a Christian, that there's not much joy in it, not much happiness in it. And I see what was meant by that. I understand that. The second response that I had, both by telephone, was another person saying, Pastor, I loved your message yesterday. You are so right. It is a life of discipline and endurance. Well, I agree with both of them. The life with Jesus is one in which we must endure much hardship. But it's also a life of immense joy and happiness. I walk this morning as I normally do. After I have prayer time, I'll head out for about a two-mile walk. It's an important time of, of prayer for me and rejoicing in Jesus. And I, I loved seeing all of the fall leaves. Today is November the 4th, and here in the Washington metro area, we still have we still have a great deal of beautiful, beautiful maple leaves, bright red, the brightest red, and, and oak trees and other trees that are just out in beautiful foliage. I have right in front of my townhouse this beautiful cherry tree, and the leaves are just stunning. Well, as I walked, I was rejoicing in Jesus because... These beautiful leaves gave me much pleasure in Jesus. There's so much I have to be grateful for. And this morning as I was going out to take a walk, the neighbor came by with the two dogs, and they immediately came leaping to me. They wanted attention. It was a joy in my heart to speak with this neighbor a neighbor that I'm boldly witnessing to about Jesus. And they're receiving that witness. This is a person who has never read the scriptures, is basically illiterate, biblically, but an attorney, very bright, educated at one of the finest law schools in America. It's a joy to witness and share and talk about Jesus. But there is this bittersweet in following Jesus because we live in a world that is in a literal war zone. We're in a world, we're in a world that is both bitter because of sin and sweet because of Jesus. Sweeter than the honeycomb. I want to share with you today, yes, the reality of the bitter and the sweet. 
It is both. I enjoy nature. My mother and my father always said to us as boys, it is God's second book. The Bible is the first book and nature is the second book. And I have found great pleasure in canoeing on a quiet lake or running the rapids. I found great pleasure in a campfire beside a beautiful lake. I'd like to roast marshmallows. I was in the store yesterday and I noticed they had bags of marshmallows. I I couldn't resist. I'm off sugar, but I couldn't resist just the idea of of roasting those marshmallows, and I can do that on my gas grill. <laughs> there are just things that that we enjoy. I enjoy riding my bike. I enjoy walking. I enjoy people, friends, and family. My youngest daughter had her birthday yesterday. It was a pleasure to send her a beautiful birthday gift and a loving card. I find great pleasure in very simple things. I'm a farm boy by by upbringing, and you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. I'm still a farm boy. I love gardening. I love raising vegetables, fruit. But I recognize that I live in a world that is controlled in many ways by the devil. And he is raising up every kind of evil thing. He's raising up evil politicians. And they're passing mandates and other very wicked, life-threatening things that people rush to, even as they are going to rush into the mark of the beast, because they're going to say, look, I can't survive if I don't get the mark of the beast. And then you have some wicked pastors who say you can't lose your salvation, so that means you can take the mark of the beast and you still will not die. You'll still go to heaven. You'll just lose some rewards. I see lying preachers. I see a a corrupt and apostate American church. But that does not detract from the joy of my heart in Jesus Christ and in his righteous people. Both are important to me. His people and their being righteous. So today, I want to read some scripture because I want you to hear this from the word of God. I don't want you just to hear it from me. Being a Christian is bitter, 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 and sweet, sweet, sweet. I want you to enjoy the sweetness of Jesus and endure 
the bitterness of this world. I'll begin reading for you first the Gospel of John, my favorite chapter in John, chapter 15. You may want to follow if you have a a Bible or jot down the passages so that you can so that you can follow. I'm going to begin reading in John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in, in, his, in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I've chosen you out of the world, and that's why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles. And yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. You know, I've, I've asked people, and I ask you, what is it that you most want? In all the world, what is it that your heart most wants? I don't have to think very long before I answer that. What my heart has most wanted is to be completely loved. 
to be completely loved. I learned the very painful lesson after my late wife, Jan, died in 11 years ago of cancer. As I held her in my arms as she was dying, taking her last breaths, 10 o'clock in the morning, I was so heartbroken. I was so devastated. I didn't know how I could live. And I think for the next three months, I wept. I wept every day. And I learned a very valuable lesson. No one can love us completely. Even my precious wife had to leave, and she's gone. And I still miss her. I miss her love. There's only one person who can love us completely. His name is Jesus. His love is absolute, complete. He loved me first. I didn't initiate that love. It came flooding into my life as a free gift. And that love brings me such joy and such peace and such happiness. It's a love that can never be taken from me. I spoke with someone this morning. And this precious sister told me that her that her husband had had a dream last night. He dreamed he was in shark-infested waters and that he was drowning and he was calling for help. And there was no one to help him. And as he was struggling in the water, crying out for help from somebody, please help me, help me, help me, he suddenly realized only Jesus could help him. Only Jesus could help him. It is Jesus who fills that great empty cavern of our hearts with his love and his peace and his joy. But Jesus comes and says these things to us. He says, you did not choose me. This is verse 16, John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. So Jesus chose you and loves you and has given you a mission that will bring great joy to your heart. 
Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. So we can never love each other completely, and we can never take the place of the love of Jesus. But we are called to love, to love others, to lay our lives down for them, to do things that seem foolish, to express such incredible love, to shower them with our love, not with anger, not with bitterness, not with hostility, only with love. Even our enemies, especially our enemies. I have some enemies. I have some people in my life who hate me, who will not, in fact, even speak to me. They've utterly cut me off. They have strong judgments because of my position in Jesus Christ. I've done nothing to harm them, but they hate me and want nothing to do with me. And they've cut their families off from me. These are enemies. And while I can't speak with them because they've cut me off, and every avenue is cut off. I love them with all my heart, and I pray for them every day. I have a list of my enemies, and I pray for those enemies, and I ask Jesus to bless them, to abundantly bless them and prosper them, to bless their children and their wives. Love is what the Lord asks us to do. Putting ourselves out there and risking rejection and censor. Risk being told, you're a fanatic, Ray. Oh, I've been called all the names in the book. I've been cursed. But my heart is filled with joy. Now, a CEO from a very successful and large company that the Lord brought me into acquaintance with called me, and he had a question for me. He has asked me not to speak to him about Jesus, and so I don't speak to him about Jesus, but I love him, and I pour out love, gifts at Christmas Kindness. He had a question for me. He said, Ray, I have no joy in my heart. I am miserable. We're very frank and honest with one another. And he said to me, where can I go to find joy? (laughs) I I smiled and I said, 
they don't sell joy in the stores. I said, there is no place you can go to get joy. I said, joy is a byproduct of something else. He said, okay. What's that something else? And don't tell me it's Jesus. I said, okay, I won't tell you it's Jesus. (laughs) Do you know what joy is a byproduct of? Joy is a byproduct of love. When you love another person and you sacrifice your time and your energy and your money for that person, the end result will be great joy. When you give yourself in service to another, the outcome will be joy. It is a byproduct of self-sacrifice. It's a byproduct of serving another person. So where does the joy come in my life? Well, it comes first and foremost from being totally loved by Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about unconditional love. Let's be clear. I'm not talking about sentimental slop. Let's be clear. I'm talking about unfailing love. Unfailing love. Unfailing love means I can reject it and I can walk away from it. And the day will come when that love will be withdrawn and I will face the judgment bar of God and I will be accountable before him for what my actions have been. And if I have rejected his love and continued to walk in sin, I will be under harsh judgment and cast into hell. The wages of sin is death. Make no mistake, John, the sixth chapter, the wages of sin is death. Now, this love that we pour out, I want to take you to another passage of Scripture. I want to read it for you. It's a, it's a lengthy one, but just stay with me. Chapter 12, the book of Hebrews. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who are the witnesses? All of those listed in the 11th chapter, the faith chapter of the book of Hebrews. Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Moses, all of those listed. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Now I want you to catch that. 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross was not joy. The cross was immense anguish and pain that broke the heart of Jesus. He died of a broken heart. He bore our sins to that cross. He didn't become sin, but he bore our sins. He scorned, that is, he gave no regard to the shame of being stripped naked and crucified. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone who he accepts as a son. And that word punishment is literally he flogs. He beats. Verse 7. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. Now, I want you to get this picture. Jesus is going to the cross to be crucified. What carries him through that crucifixion? It's the absolute certainty of the outcome and the joy that will belong to him when he has laid down his life for his children, for his bride. Now, It is not easy, Romans, the sixth chapter, it is not easy to be crucified with Jesus Christ. But we're told we must be crucified and we must continually carry that cross with us and those fleshly natures must constantly go to the cross. Now, listen. Romans 6 is very clear that the old Adamic nature, the old Adam nature, can be utterly and should be utterly and completely destroyed in our lives. That does not mean that severe temptation will not come upon us, and that severe temptation will cause us often great anguish of heart and pain. It is being crucified. Over and over. It is the call to endure. So on one hand, you have the bitterness of following Jesus Christ, where you simply do not give in to the choice, to the choice temptations that Satan will bring to you. You have died to yourself. You have disowned yourself. You have said, no, I will not walk in that wicked way. I am free. 
And now let me say this very clearly to you. The way you know you have been born from above and that you're a new creature in Christ is that you are no longer in any bondage to the devil. When you know that the temptations the devil will bring against you, even though often bringing anguish, for example, when a family member cuts you off and says, I don't want anything more to do with you. I'm out of your life. You're a fanatic. You're crazy. I don't want you in my life. Don't talk to me. Never call me again. I'm out. Whoa. The temptation is to tell them how wrong they are. To tell them a piece of your mind. To bite them. To be the wolf. To tell them they're not fair. They're wrong. They can't treat you this way. The temptation is right there. But the blood of Jesus sets us free from needing to in any manner give in to the wolf nature. You know, we have a, a, a wolf background. But we were born again as lambs of God. A lamb's not going to bite. You don't need to bite. You're free. This is the bitter sweetness of following Jesus. If you have been born from above, the mark that will tell you that you have been saved and that you are walking clean in Jesus is when you recognize you have full authority and full power over every temptation of the devil and you're not going to give in. You're going to walk clean before the Lord. Now, First John is very clear that if perchance you do sin and you do give in to temptation, even though there's no reason for you to do so, and I have given in to temptation, even though there was no justifiable reason for that behavior, he said, we have an advocate with the Father who will forgive us and who will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the bitter sweetness of following Jesus is that we must endure and then walk into the sweetness and the love the joy of Jesus Christ. And this is not dependent upon your circumstances. I've had very, very painful circumstances many times in my life. But those circumstances do not control my heart. And so even in the midst of that misery, Yesterday, I had to get an oil change on my car. And so I went in and had the oil changed at 
my repair shop where I've gone for many years and know and, and love these people. And he said, after they had changed the oil, Pastor, I think you've got a problem on your driver's side, on the front wheel. It's not turning right. He said, I need to check it. Do you mind if I, do you have time? I said, yes, please. He checked it. He came back and he said, Pastor, the wheel is not turning as it should. And either you're going to have to repair it or your brakes are going to be worn out and something will burn out. I said, well, what will it take to fix it? He said, well, the problem is it's an old car and your brake line has collapsed. And he said, it's not allowing the wheel to move. It's keeping your brake locked. My heart sank. These were hard circumstance for me. It's been a very difficult time for me personally, financially over the last 30 days with radio and with church and with personal. I said, well, what will it cost? He said, it will cost $200. I said, okay, let's get it done. So he called and they had one line at the parts part. He said, we better grab it. They may not have it tomorrow. So I sat in the, in the waiting room and I began to rejoice in my circumstances. And I began to pray and say, Lord, I'm not going to be discouraged by this this great expense that has suddenly come upon me. I know you said you would carry me, and I know you're carrying me, and I trust you, and I don't know why this has happened, and it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that I am going to rest in you, and I'm going to endure this, and I know you will bring deliverance for me. Did my circumstances make me happy? No. But my love from Jesus gave me great joy. So even in the midst of this circumstance that was very painful for me, I just rejoiced and I sat and praised Jesus for 30 minutes while they changed out this hose. And when I left the shop after paying them, just rejoiced. The car was driving so much better. There was no, it was free. He said, you've just gotten used to driving it and it's happened slowly. So you haven't noticed it. Well, I notice in my life that often things happen, painful things happen. And I just keep going. And I don't even notice that it's so painful after a while. But Jesus comes and he just totally delivers and sets free. Listen. This is Hebrews, the 12th chapter. 
Verse 11, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. The discipline of God is painful. We have to endure that. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness or innocence and peace for those who've been trained by it. Well, I've been trained by the discipline of God to be joyful in all circumstances. Verse 12, and this is for you and for me. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make level paths so that the lame, not you, you're not the lame one, so that others who are watching your life will not be discouraged by the hardship they see coming upon you you will instead rejoice in that hardship and you will testify that Jesus is able. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. And then, continuing in chapter 12, he says, we've come. We've come to Mount Zion. That's right now we've come to Mount Zion. To the heavenly Jerusalem, to the city of God. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You've come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably, with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Keep on loving each other. Do not forget to entertain strangers For by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Oh, my brother, my sister. Following Jesus is bittersweet. It is a place where we must continually endure the attacks of Satan against us. 
He has no hold on us because we no longer walk in sin and we no longer follow the flesh. Instead, we are in step, as it says in the book of Galatians, with the Holy Spirit, and we are rejoicing. So there is the bitterness of the attack of the devil. There is the bitterness of the attack of other people who reject us and cast us aside as being nothing, zero, of no importance. And on the other hand, there is the lover of our souls, Jesus Christ. And then there is the love of our wives, our husbands, our children. There is the love of family and friends. As we come to our time of Thanksgiving, it's my favorite holiday. I rejoice. I give thanks unto the Lord. I lift my hands in adoration and praise unto his throne. Because in this bittersweet life, I know how it ends. So Jesus said for the bitterness of the cross, he endured it for the joy he saw ahead. I endure the sickness, the rejection, the lack. I endure the accusations. I enjoy or endure the scorn. I do that because I know the joy that's coming in my Lord and my Savior in Jesus and in the fellowship of the saints. I get a little taste of that now in the joy of the fellowship with the saints of God. I treasure the saints of God. I treasure those of you who come and listen day by day to the broadcast. I treasure those of you who step in and sacrifice your time and money and energy with me for the gospel of Jesus. I treasure you. I love you. You are everything to me. Jesus said, who's my brother? Who's my sister? Who's my family? Those who do the will of God. You're my family. I love you. I wish I could sit down and have a Thanksgiving meal with each one of you, but I'll be praying for you on Thanksgiving Day. Believe me. My heart rejoices while my tears flow down my face. As I weep for the lost and the dying, as I weep for my enemies, as I weep over the bitter attacks of Satan against me, I rejoice in my Lord Jesus Christ. Read Romans, the eighth chapter. It is the normal life of the Christian. Understand, my brother, my sister, understand that you're going to go through very, very hard and bitter times, persecutions, even martyrdom and death to follow Jesus. But on the other side, the angels are gathering in solemn assembly and we're going to soon be with him. And we will say, 
Oh, Jesus, it was cheap enough. It was nothing. We endured the pain, the temptations, the anguish. We endured the physical sickness. We endured dying for the joy that is set before us of knowing Christ Jesus and being filled with his presence. I want you to know today Jesus loves you. Let's pray. Lord, I come today to say, I love you, Jesus. And I will, with your power, with your Holy Spirit, I will endure and walk faithfully in the bitterness of this world and in the joy of your presence in the joy of your love, in the joy of your family. Lord, it's a bittersweet walk. But you know that, for you walked it for me, for us. So, Lord, today, would you bring such peace and joy into the hearts of your people Thank you, my Lord. I worship you. Thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to have you come and join us on Sunday. Our worship service begins at 10 a.m. We're finished by noon. And we share a meal together. You're welcome to come for any part of that that you can. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and there you'll find all the directions. Or if you don't have web but you'd like to come, I'm going to give you my phone number. You're welcome to call, and I'll give you directions for how you can come. So if you're in the Washington metro area, come and worship with us. Call me, 703-489-1785. That's 703-489-1785. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Tomorrow is Friday, and that is our day of corporate prayer. I'll open the phone lines tomorrow. You've been listening all week. Tomorrow it's your turn, and we'll be waiting for you to your prayer. 
to give you an opportunity to open your heart to the Lord and say to him all that you'd like to say. To pray for the church. To pray for our government. To pray for the American people. So please uh, call tomorrow. I'll give you the phone call, the phone number to call. And join us for an intense time of, of prayer, of waiting before the Lord. Now I know this is a bitter walk, but it's a sweet walk. And I pray that as you walk it, in every circumstance, as you will lift your hands to the Father above, and you will praise his name and glorify Jesus Christ. God bless you. I love you. We'll talk soon. Insurance agency.